Second Corinthians is if uh, it comes right after First Corinthians, so if that helps you out any. Second Corinthians chapter five. Second Corinthians chapter five, beginning with verse one, we read in the word, for we know that if the tent that is our heavenly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who was prepared for us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away... We make it our aim to please Him. The Bible makes it pretty clear that we who are born again, those that have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, are pilgrims and strangers just passing through this world, doesn't it? And when we, when we were saved, we took on a new citizenship. Yes, we're still citizens of the United States of America, but we became citizens of a place called heaven, a place that's been being prepared by uh, Jesus Christ himself for us, for those that accept His uh, God's Son as Lord and Savior. And since that statement is true, since we know those things are true, since we know that we are citizens, since we know this, this earth is not our home, there's kind of a, a pull from another land that deep down in our heart isn't there. And it, it, it seems that we don't fit in down here like we maybe did before, like others that don't know Christ. Maybe they seem like they fit in better. In this world, it just doesn't feel comfortable to a child of God because it's diabolically opposite of our heavenly home. There's a, it seems there's a desire within those who are saved to leave this world and go on to heaven, doesn't it? And would you agree with that statement? That's a fair assessment, correct? And so the same desire was one that we find within the, the heart of the Apostle Paul. He wrote uh, uh, this very sentiment in Philippians chapter 1, verse 23. He said, For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. And so we, here in our text today, here in this passage in 2 Corinthians... Paul seems to be writing from the heart of one who has been longing for his heavenly home. 
He's been thinking about it a lot. He, he's endured a lot. And, of course, we know that's what, that was uh, going to be part of his ministry. Jesus told uh, the, the disciples, I must show him the great things he must suffer for my name's sake. As I read what Paul has written here and what he penned down in other places, especially as you read through the, uh, the, the letter Second Corinthians, he seems to be saying, you know what? I, I just feel like traveling on. <laughs> I feel like traveling on. There, there are times, I think, when we all feel that way. There are times when we look at this life and we look at all the burdens, we, we look at, and, and hear the news, we, we think about all the sorrow. How, how does a two-year-old get cancer? <laughs> we, we, we look at all those things that are going on. And we long for a heavenly home. There are a lot of days when we would all have to confess, I think if we were honest, that we just feel like traveling on. And so let's look into these verses this morning and find some help for our hearts on this journey of life that, that we have to go through. And we notice, first of all, here in our text, some words about hardship. Some words about hardship. Paul here, he, he doesn't pull any punches when he talks about this life. He, he describes the difficulties very well. He describes the difficulties that believers face while living in this uh, foreign, this sin-stained, this sin-cursed world. And the desires that, that we have, if we're walking according to God's Word, it's going to be opposite from what the world has, isn't it? And so it's going to cause a burden for us. It's going to cause us some distress. It may cost us friends, relationships. It, it may cost us jobs. Whatever it is, there's burdens that uh, are on us because we're foreigners in this place. You see, the thing that we have to understand, though, is this life is a temporary time. Paul, he, he talks about that for us in verse 1. Paul uses two words to describe the, this temporary nature of this life. The, the, the first word that he uses is tent. Do you know anyone that lives in a tent? Lots of us have stayed in a tent, but that was what? for a few nights, wasn't it? It wasn't a permanent situation, was it? And so the very nature of that word tent um, it's, uh, or, or tabernacle, it refers to a temporary dwelling. It was never meant to be permanent. It's used as a metaphor for these, these human bodies, these bars of bone and flesh that are, are, temp that are the temporary home, resting place for the soul, which is going to be taken down at death. They're not going to be able to, it's not going to be able to hold our soul anymore. The other word that we find here besides tent is destroyed or dissolved. And this word, it, it means to demolish. It means to destroy or to loosen. Now, the, the word in, in the context here, it was used to refer to travelers that had come to the end of their journey and they were loosening the straps that, that held the burdens, the, the whatever it was that they took with them, their suitcases, if you will, on the back of their pack animals. 
In other words, this life is seen as a temporary time. These mortal bodies, they're going to fall away and those the, the bonds that, that keep us attached to, to this world, they're going to fall away and we'll, we'll leave this place behind. And so this brings to mind two thoughts, or at least it does for me. One is a blessing and the other is a burden. And, and so the blessing, this life and, and its problems, here it is, they're not going to last. They're not going to last forever, are they? Life, with all of its trials, with all of its burdens, with all of its heartache, with all of the, the trouble that comes along with it, guess what? It's going to end one of these days for the, child of God, for the child of God. And that's just a tremendous blessing for us to consider and for us to think about. One of my favorite verses in, in, in the Bible has one of the lines in it, and it says... And it came to pass. You know, we we come across some stuff in our life, don't we? Not all of it's good. That that bad stuff, it came to pass. The good stuff, it, it came to pass. It, it didn't come to stay, but it did come to pass. Now, the burden part of this, because this life is temporary, it means we're all touched by that icy hand of death we watch our, our loved ones leave this world we watch our friends leave this world we we watch uh, acquaintances or co-workers or whatever it is leave this world and, and we have to prepare to leave it ourselves and, and that starts with a, a relationship with jesus christ a saving relationship with jesus christ and this is one truth that makes this temporary life a difficult time is that burden but in this life, not only do we see that it's tragic, we find that it's temporary. That's what we see in, in verses 2 through 4. Uh, just look at the words that Paul uses to describe this life and, and its tragedies. In verse 2, he uses the word groan. And this word means to sigh heavily within. You ever done that? You just... Keep getting body blow after body blow, bad phone calls after bad phone calls from your doctors, from, from family or whatever it is. And, and we've all given that, that big sigh where we're just at our breaking point. This sigh that's talked about, this groan, is one that's not only so much external as it is internal. It's like our soul is saying, I don't know how much more I can handle. We also see in verse 4 the word burdened. And it, it means to be pressed down on the inside. And so you kind of see a theme developing here. They're, the struggles are on the inside here. They're, they're in verse 4 you see mortality. The word refers to that which is mortal or, or that which is liable to death. That is something that's likely to die. Paul uses these words to remind us that life is filled with tragedies, with trials, with, with all kinds of traumas. And of course, if, you, if you've lived here for any length of time, if you've lived here on this earth for any length of time, you really don't need me to tell you that, do you? <laughs> we learn that by experience. And still the, the Bible makes it abundantly clear that as long as we are in this world, we're going to face what? 
trials and troubles and tribulations. Man that is born of woman is, is a few days and full of trouble. As we deal with matters like disease and our aging, the possibility of death, and the many tragedies that, that life can bring our way, and we're, we're made to understand that this life, it's got some problems, doesn't it? It's got its own set of problems. But we can thank God again that life, this life is temporary. It's also a time of testing. We're told that we're to navigate this world according to verse 7, how? Walk by faith and not by sight. If we were to let the things that we can see, the things that, that we see in the, the news headlines, the things that we uh, see going on around us, the sickness that we see, man, it'd be easy to get down and discouraged and, and, and wonder what's the use, what's the point. But we're to walk by faith. God, he, he allows us to pass through all of these events, all of this turmoil in this life, all the trials and the tragedies and the traumas to prepare us for glory. Trusting that what we see right in front of us, it's not the end. You know, uh, uh, for believers... This is as close to hell as we'll ever get. <laughs> this life is as bad as it will ever get. But you also have to consider the other side. For non-believers, this is as close to heaven as they'll ever get. So we have to walk by faith, knowing that it's bad, there's stuff going on, but we've got a home waiting on us. It's being prepared for us. And so God, he, he uses the pressures of, of this life to, to mold us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. He's the potter. We're what? The clay. And so what does a potter do with the clay? He molds it. He shapes it. He forms it. He prepares it for use however he sees fit. After all, that's his goal for us, to, to be molded into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. One day there was a, a preacher that had lost his family in just a horrible fire. And, and he was walking through town. And as you can imagine, uh, even those of the strongest faith sometimes have moments of weakness. <laughs> and, and he was troubled uh, with questions related to his faith. He, in fact, because of this tragedy, he was thinking about just throwing in the towel on uh, not only being a pastor, being a preacher, but on the things of God altogether. He, he wondered how a, a God whom he had thought was so good and was so gracious and so loving could allow something so terrible to happen to him and, and to his family. So as he walked, he, he passed a construction site and there were, they were building this huge cathedral as he watched the men work he, he noticed this one particular man carving a, a small triangle out of, of granite with a, a chisel and a hammer 
And so the preacher, he, he called out to that mason and asked him what he was making. And that workman, he, he stopped and he pointed to a place near the, the top of that big cathedral. And he, he said, do you see that tiny open triangle near the top of the roof? And, and the preacher answered that he did. And he said, well, I'm carving this out down here so it will be fit in up there. So that it will fit in up there. Then the preacher, he understood what God was doing in his life. The Lord was just carving him out down here so that he would fit in up there. You know, there are things that we don't like to do here. Sometimes we have trouble worshiping at God like we should or praising God like we should. And sometimes maybe we're going through things in our life to prepare us to praise and worship God on the other side. If you don't like singing praises here now, you're not going to like singing praises then and there. You understand? you got to get ready for it here. Listen, our, our trials were not sent to destroy us. They weren't sent to bring us down. They weren't sent to, to cause us more pain, more grief, more agony. But they were sent to shape us for His glory, for His honor, and to be molded into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. So we see some words about hardship, but we also need to see some words about hope. Absolutely, this life is filled with problems. It's got its own shares of burdens. It's got its own shares of heartache and tragedies. But there's also hope while we're traveling through here. Paul, he, he shows us the downside of life, the, the hardships of this life. But he also points out that there is a positive side to this life as well, that there is truly indeed hope. And so notice the hope that every child of God has. First, if you look at verse 4, we have a comforting Paul, he's already told us that this life with all of its burdens and ups and downs, it's not going to last forever. It's temporary. But now he tells us that we have some things to look forward to in our future. He tells us that we'll be further clothed and that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. It's a beautiful picture that he's painting there. Paul, he's telling us that when this earthly life comes to an end, when it draws to a close and we lay down these temporary bodies, we have a new body and we have a new life waiting for us in heaven. Just think about the, the glories of that new body and that new home that we have. We don't have to worry about losing weight in that new body. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. The, and not just that. It, this, these bodies are, going, are no longer going to be affected by sin and sin's dread. We're going to be in the presence of the one that died to save us. Without a doubt, these bodies, they're fading. And we try and do everything we can to remold them and to remodel them and keep them looking as good as possible. And no matter how hard we try, guess what? 
It's a losing effort, isn't it? Because we're still going to die. <laughs> After all, just like what Paul says in verse 1, these bodies are dissolving. Now, there's parts of we wish would dissolve a little faster, but that's beside the point. I heard about a little boy that was watching his mom one night. She was putting some white goo all over her face, and just before she would go to bed, she'd wipe it off. And she would uh, let it sit there for a while, and like I said, before she went to bed, she'd wipe it all off. And the little boy, he, he watched his mom do that for several nights in a row. Finally, just like little boys do, the curiosity got the best of him. And, and his mother was sitting there about to take that cream off of her face, and he asked, Mama, oh, why did you put that white goo on your face? And she said, well, to, to make me beautiful. He said, well, it ain't working, is it? The fact is, these bodies that we wear are wearing out. It doesn't take you long to figure that out when you start pulling up ceramic tile. I'm just saying. Someone has said that you know that you're aging when it takes you longer to rest up than it did to get tired. You know you're getting older when most of your dreams are reruns. You sit down in a rocking chair and you can't even get the chair started. Here's one I have problems with. Your, your mind signs contracts that your body cannot keep. <laughs> uh, you, when your knees buckle, but your belt won't buckle. When, when you sink your teeth into a stake and they stay there. You know you're getting older when everything hurts and what do, doesn't hurt doesn't work anymore anyway. Sadly, I fall into a lot of those categories as I'm finding out. Today, if there's not a, I've got places that are sore that you need three mirrors to see, I believe. It's ridiculous. But anyway, it's not about me here. As Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 20, all go to one place, all are from the dust, and all will return to dust. There was a little boy that came running downstairs. He was scared to death. And his mother said, what in the world is wrong? And the little boy said, Mama, didn't the preacher say the body comes from dust? And she said, well, yeah. And he said, didn't he also say that one day the body is going to go back to dust? She said, well, yeah, that's right. And he said, Mama, you better come upstairs quick and look under my bed. Somebody's either going or coming. Amen. That's the way life is, though. Somebody's either coming or going all the time. And thank God there is a, a comforting hope as we pass through this world. And it's a confident hope. You know, we see that in verse 1. We see it also in, in verse 6. And look at the language that, that Paul uses here. We know. We have. We are always of good courage. We are confident or of uh, good courage. Paul, he's not talking about a hope that, that is maybe that, that you kind of set things in place and you desire for this thing to happen. 
but he's talking about a hope that is a no-so kind of thing. It's a deep, settled faith. Hope isn't uh, just wishful thinking. Hope is based on fact. (laughs) Now, I'm glad that we don't have to worry about whether or not things will work out for us in eternity. We have God's word on that issue, don't we? He he cannot tell a lie. God can't lie to us. And so what we read in his word, it ought to be a comfort to our hearts, shouldn't it? Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Listen, what, what the Lord has started, he is beyond a shadow of a doubt without any hesitation, he's going to complete it. And thank God for the, the confidence that we have in him. When we take our our saved loved ones to the cemetery, we're just burying that that prison of, of bones and flesh, aren't we? They've already gone on to be with the Lord. We're just burying what's left behind. When it comes to our time to go, the flesh is going to die, but we're not because we've already pass from death into life. We we merely leave this world and go into the presence of the Lord. We exhale our last breath here on this earth and the next breath that we take is in the presence of the Lord. We need to thank God for that, that confident hope that we have today. We have a cleansing hope. Notice that in in verse 9 we, uh, of the text here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul tells us that the the hope we have within us causes us to live right and to work actively for the glory of God. Those who know him, listen, we ought to want to please him. Whether we are here or there, there is a desire to be found pleasing to God in his sight. Listen, if, if, if you really believe that he's coming for you one day, whether it's through death or the rapture, you'll want to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. You'll want to be found doing those things that bring him honor and glory. But the third thing I want you to see are some words about home. Paul, he has something to say about the home that we're headed to. Not the structure we go to every evening, but the the one that we're headed to. Praise God today, there is a place that's being prepared to receive us when this life is over. Our home, according to verse 1, is a perfect place. Paul tells us that our, our home on high is a building of God. And so this tells us something of the nature of that new home. If the Lord makes it, then is it reasonable to believe that it is perfect? It's beyond reasonable, isn't it? After all, God, like the little boy said, God don't make no junk, does he? This world is tainted and it's stained by sin. Its its effects are all over the place. 
but none of those things that defile this world, that drags us down, that stains this world. Listen, it can't follow us over there. It can't follow us to that home that's waiting on us. You see, heaven is a place where the trials and the burdens and the sins and the faults of this world, praise God, they can enter in. There's not going to be any more death. There's going to be no more tears, no more birds, no more trials, no more devil, no more sadness, no more sorrow, no more grief. Nothing to defile, to discourage, or to defeat us is ever going to be able to follow us to that glorious place. It will be a place of perfect rest, a, a, a place of perfect peace, a place of perfect existence and joy. It is perfect. And it's being prepared for a redeemed people. I don't know about you, but I sure am glad I'm going. (laughs) Our home is a perfect place. Our home is a permanent place. We've already pointed out the fact that this life is temporary. It's fleeting at best. But this place that we're headed to, it's permanent. There's not any tents there. There's not, any, there's not a tabernacle there. It's a permanent place. Paul says that it is eternal in the heavens. That means it's not going to fade. It's not going to pass. It's not going to get weary. It's not going to be, uh, have a need to be remodeled. It's never going to be destroyed. And while eternity rolls forward... The glory of heaven will never fade away. And the residents of heaven will endure in that glorious city for all of eternity with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our home is a precious place. We're told in verse 8 that when we leave these bodies, we go into the presence of the Lord. There's not a purgatory there's not a waiting period where you have to pay for the sins that you... There's none of that junk. To, to be absent from the body, the Bible says, is to be present with the Lord. There's no hint of waiting around. When you close your eyes in death, you open them again in His presence. As soon as death causes this clay tabernacle to fold up and to fall away... The child of God finds ourselves in the presence of the one that died to save our soul. I don't know about you, but that truth alone makes heaven worth everything. You know, we, we can talk about the golden streets. We can talk about the jasper walls. We, we can talk about the angelic host. We can talk about the pearly gates and the foundations of precious stones. But the presence of Jesus Christ is what will make heaven heavenly. It'll be Him and His glory that will be the light of that city. It, it, it's, it was Him that died on the cross that makes it possible. And His people will see Him in that city on high. And we will forever dwell in His presence. And we will see the face of the One that died to deliver us from our sins and from our sentence of death. Years ago, men used to sail around the Mediterranean Sea, just within the Mediterranean Sea, the Great Sea. 
it, it was called the Mediterranean Sea because the word literally meant the middle of the earth. Well, every now and then, they would go to the Straits of Gibraltar, and, and they would venture out a little way into the open sea, and then they would come back into the Straits of Gibraltar and back into the Mediterranean. Now, the Great Rock of, of Gibraltar had some caves, and the mariners would go into these caves and they would rest up and stay for a little while there in those caves. And they chiseled on the rocks of Gibraltar these words in Latin, ne plus ultra, which means there is nothing beyond. As far as they knew, this was the stepping off place that was the end of the world because they believed somewhat in a flat earth at that point in time. They, they didn't think there could be anything else out there. As far as they knew, the world ended there at the Rock of Gibraltar. And one day, a man by the name of Chris, Christopher Columbus set sail. And Columbus sailed west, came to a brand new world, discovered the Americas, came back and told people what he had seen. Well, there were some mariners that went back to the Rock of Gibraltar and they chiseled off the word nay and it just simply left the words plus ultra. And the inscription that read before, no more beyond, just simply now read more beyond. I want to tell you this morning, for everyone that has received the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, when you come to the end of this journey, there is so much more beyond. More than you could ever dream. More than you could ever imagine. The Bible tells us, but as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Does this life have problems? Yep. It's temporary. We're pilgrims and strangers just passing through. And understanding all these things about what's waiting for us, it should make us feel like traveling on. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning so grateful for your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for uh, his coming. We thank you for his perfect example. We thank you for his death, his burial, his resurrection, the salvation that we have through him. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, come to you today dear lord we're burdened with so much stuff in our lives things that we bring on ourselves things that others put off on us and things that we we were never meant to to be burdened about but dear lord help us to understand help us to realize this is temporary that it came to pass and dear heavenly father help us to look forward to that place you're preparing for us. Help us to remember that this is as bad as it will get. Help us to remember that you love us and that we're just passing through. Dear Lord, I, I pray that when we find ourselves in, in, in involved in the turmoils, that you'll just remind us that we're going through to the other side 
these trials, these tribulations, they didn't come to stay. They didn't come to derail us. You have a plan and a purpose for us. Dear Lord, that home that, that's waiting on us, we can't hardly wait to see it. Dear Lord, I, I pray that if there's someone here that just needs some encouragement this morning, that your spirit will work in the hearts, that you'll use your word to encourage them and give them the strength they need. And dear Heavenly Father, I, I just pray that we can take the, the words of your message and and apply it to our hearts and lives and, and call these things to memory when, when we're dealing with different things when we're struggling. Dear Lord, just help us. All these things we ask in your name, I pray. Amen. All right.